Welcome to this week's Step Chart Podcast. My name is Freddie Maggard. I'm joined, as always, by Nick Roush. And uh, we're here to talk about the Mississippi State game as well as the upcoming Tennessee game. So uh, let's get started, Nick. We got some questions from Twitter. So if you want to kick us off with that, we'll get going. All right, we can do that. Uh, Kentucky, they, they beat Mississippi State 24-2. to Only the fifth time in the last decade Kentucky's beaten the SEC team by three scores. Pretty great, but – Obviously, the offense struggled. So, we got some questions about the offense. And a lot of stuff goes to quarterback, Freddie. And I feel like this question from Jeff Obanian is a good question. Um, if Gatewood or Allen would, in theory, give us a more dynamic passing game with arm strength, would that make us a better offense? Or is Terry's running and three years of experience more important? Uh, the, was a question about arm strength? It was just like if, in theory, they were better passers, would that make the offense oh, okay. better? Yeah. Um, but that's also in theory. You know, that, that's <laughs> Yeah, that's theory and speculation. I think Terry's experience and what he's capable of doing, you know, he completed 64% of his passes against Auburn, 77 against Ole Miss. Uh, there were a myriad of, of uh, errors in the passing game. Uh, Saturday versus Mississippi State, not all on Terry Wilson. Uh, Mississippi State was was getting home with pressures uh, due to the fact that, and we'll talk about this with Tennessee, as the safeties were never threatened against Mississippi mm-hmm. State. And, and when you have that, then Preston and Peters, uh, the two safeties for the Bulldogs, kept sneaking into the box because there was no fear of uh, retribution behind them. And, you know, I mean, that led to pressure and uh, a couple quarterback sacks mm-hmm. and then not having receivers open downfield or the threat of having receivers open downfield influenced the passing game. And then Terry had a couple bad throws. He'll admit that. So it, it, it was a complete system uh, uh, that, that led to Kentucky only completing 40% of its passes. But to get back to your question, I mean, the backup quarterbacks are always the most popular players on campus, and mm-hmm. uh, we'll see, we'll see how Terry performs on Saturday. Yeah, and I, I think the the thing that Joey Gatewood does isn't dramatically different than what Terry Wilson does. Um, so, like, you know, it, it's different than when you've got a, a a pocket passer option with a big arm up right. second, but they're, they're pretty similar players um, in that they're both athletic and run the ball. Well, so you're not really getting a change of pace at either one. Although it was good to see Joey get in there in that final series and just, just to see him out there. Um, it was, I mean, mm-hmm. he's, he's huge, man. He, he looked, <laughs> he, <laughs> he really looked like is. a monster. Yeah. Uh, you know, but I think Bo Allen is athletic, but he is more of a pocket passer. So that would be mm-hmm. your change of pace. Right, right. Exactly. And, you know, when, when Eddie was asked to like, cause if you recall, there was a similar kind of offensive, a bad offensive game in 2018 against Vanderbilt and UK ahead of that Missouri game, they had packages. They were going to play Gunner Hope. Danny Clark got in a play and fumbled the ball. And I was like, are we going to, I asked Graham point blank if we'd see anything like that. And he was like, mm. essentially said, no, like we always have something there, but we're not going to reinvent the wheel here. So I, I wouldn't anticipate right. that this weekend. You, I think you kind of answered, uh, Chris's question too if there's any explanation for Terry's struggles 
And I, I, I really do think that last week was a all systems failure from the top down. <laughs> I mean, right. Just what? I mean, from Eddie Grant to, to Drake Jackson, which you typically don't see from either of them, but you know, at, there's there's confusion and everybody's due for a clunker every once in a while. Well, you know, Kentucky on their rush for 84 yards net, you know, we factor in the 48 yards lost by Max Duffy on the bad snap. Uh, the Kentucky runners ran for 132 yards against Mississippi State, which is uh, t- even taking away the bad snap lost yardage was, is not sufficient for the Cats. I mean, uh, you know, Kentucky's leading the SEC in rushing right now. The average is down to 212 yards per game, but still uh, it could be more effective for that. So, you know, going back to that question, when your running game's not there, your play-action game doesn't work. If you don't threaten the safeties with downfield receivers, then it's just teeing off on the pass play opportunities, and that's what Mississippi State did. Uh, Taylor asked if if the defense – is the depth as good as, as it worked last week, or is, is last week going to be more of an outlier for the season? Well, I, I was really impressed with the uh, defensive line depth and linebacker depth, especially with uh, Bembry coming in, playing solid. And then Jared Casey, Casey. Had, a, had a really good game with six tackles. Mm-hmm. But that linebacker core, you know, 42 tackles, four interceptions, that was a strong performance from the starters and backups. So I like the depth there. I like how uh, uh, even with that bully McCall at nose tackle, Kentucky rotated in a lot of players. Uh, a lot of play, a lot of different names got pressures on the quarterback from that organic three defensive line, and I think that's a positive sign going forward. So I think the depth is there. Uh, didn't see a whole heck of a lot until later in the game in the secondary because it was playing so well. I mean, you don't mm-hmm. you don't want right. to mess with that, especially in a dangerous situation uh, that Mississippi State can present. So uh, I think the depth is there, and I think that's a positive sign going forward because you lose Quentin Bohanna. Uh, you lose Josh Pascal, you lose uh, Phil Hoskins, your three starters on that defensive line. You're going to have to have, and that's something that the coaching staff always keeps in mind. You got to develop for the future as much as you plan for the present. And I think they've done that along the defensive line. And Mark Stewart's doing a fantastic job. Yeah, you got you got some really good reps from Isaiah Gibson when Pascal went yep. down. Uh, we're, we're recording early Thursday. We should have a an update on Pascal's status from later on today uh not sure if he practices or not but kentucky certainly needs him against a, a talented tennessee offensive line i i would like to say too to this uh to to taylor i i think some of the i think a lot of football is, is in between the years and the cats needed a game to get some confidence because i i think the defense has always been okay but oh yeah. Miss, they're going to score on everybody this year freddie it doesn't matter who absolutely you are. absolutely and and you know, we saw what they did to Bama, put up 48 points, was actually leading a couple times in the first half. I mean, that, that offense right. is just unbelievable. And those that receiving core is is top-notch. And, uh, you know, Matt Corral is, is lighting up the SEC regardless of opponent. And, uh, you know, I, I think that if there's an outlier. <laughs> it's that. I, I, th- right. <laughs> I think it's Ole Miss. Yeah, yeah, yeah I do. Yeah, because the defense didn't play bad against Auburn either. They just no. they got dealt short fields. Uh, yeah, got dealt short fields, got beat on 50-50 ball, and then uh, a wide receiver got isolated on Jordan Wright, which that happens. I mean, football mm-hmm. happens, and, and normally those situations don't turn out so well. Mm-hmm. And, and the receiver scored a touchdown pass. So, 
uh, yeah, I thought Kentucky played well, uh, good enough to, to win at Auburn. Um, so, yeah, I, I think the defensive outlier is Ole Miss instead of uh, what else we've seen. Right, right. Um, oh, Drew has a good question. Will a newcomer at wide receiver make a difference this year? Freddie, we need a jolt. That's what Drew says. I agree with Drew there. Uh, we need we, Kentucky does need a jolt. And I don't know if that's Michael Drennan. I don't know if that's Isaiah Cummins. I don't know where that comes from. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the receipt, receiver position needs a jolt, needs, needs, uh, needs to get some confidence, needs to get some confidence between them and Terry Wilson because right now it doesn't look like a lot exists. Uh, Josh Ellie had two shuttle passes that he caught for 22 yards against Mississippi State. The wide receivers combined had two catches for five yards other than Ali. So – uh, that that's a that's a danger point and and it does that group does need a jolt whether it is a newcomer or or a veteran step up I mean it, it's got to happen I mean everybody's talking about it uh, the coaches are talking about it every, and, and trust me uh, that's a the smart defensive staff at, at, at Tennessee Derek Ainsley's defensive coordinator I think is a very bright mind in football I think he's a future head coach uh, plus Jeremy Pruitt coordinated defenses for Kirby Smart and Nick Saban. So he knows what he's doing and they will try to capitalize on that on Saturday. Yeah. And to go back to the confidence thing too, Freddie, I think if you see just one of those guys make a big catch and thinking it's no, because right now, like to Marcus Harris, I think it's in his head. He's getting open. He's dropping balls. And yeah, like, you know, I mean, hell, we see Jose Altuve's got the yips right now. I mean, he's yeah. the best in the biz. Like, that happens. So, I think right now it's just in their heads. Uh, but you do need one of those freshmen to step up. I don't know when they're going to get more action or not, but somebody's got to make some plays. Maybe that guy's Bryce Oliver, who's who's been out the first three weeks of the season. It could be, and, and, and I'm certain – that a lot of people are hoping that's the case because Bryce does have all the tools to to threaten the defense downfield and make explosive plays, and, and that would surely help out the running game and the whole uh, operation of Eddie Grant's offense. You know, you talk about the yips. That's real. I mean, I had I had the yips, to be quite honest with you, on swing passes. I, I would turn down uh, completions just to throw the ball downfield because for some reason – the swing pass to the running back was something that I just could not do, and it was in my head. And it, I was, I was scared to throw it. To be quite honest with you, so I understand that. That's real. I mean, that that is a real thing that players go through. Because I can tell you, because I went through it. Mm. And, and and really, like, there's I don't. The only way to get out of it is to just kind of put your head down and just trudge through it. Yeah, <laughs> you know, I mean, there's no it. easy way out of it. No, you can't give up. You just got to keep keep working, keep fighting through it. So, yeah. Uh, an- another person asked, uh, this is from Chip, how does UK's defense balance rushing the passer while maintaining gaps to avoid the scramble? thought they brought more pressure than others did versus Auburn and Ole Miss, but couldn't stop the scramble, particularly when the quarterback stepped up in the middle of the pocket. Yeah, again, we're going back to Matt Corral and, and Bo Nix being two of the better mobile quarterbacks in the SEC uh, so, I mean, that, that's tough. We saw Alabama struggle with that as well with, with mm-hmm. Corral. Uh, uh, Jared uh, Garantano is the same way. He has had career games against Kentucky. His, yeah, his three best career that. games yeah, are 2017, <laughs> 18, and 19 against Kentucky, and he's very mobile. I mean, the, the final score with Georgia was 44 to 21, 
but Tennessee was leading at halftime, made some critical errors in, in the second half, some turnovers, etc. But Garantano and Palmer, and Palmer really hurt Georgia at times, and his mobility, him his being Garantano, is something that Kentucky's going to have to deal with because he is also very mobile back there. He can avoid the rush. He can step up. He can scramble. Uh, so Kentucky's going to have to maintain gap integrity within its pass lanes. I thought they did a really good job against Mississippi State. They did. And then, and then at times, you know, you're going to bring Watson and and Jordan Wright, JJ Weaver off the edge, and and it may be a corner blitz. But yeah, you can't uh, you can't get out of you can't get too uh, eager. Get out of your rush lanes, or Garantano will hurt you. Yeah, and when you when you dial up something, when you call it twist, you need to take advantage of that opportunity on those obvious things. Kentucky had a lot of obvious third and longs against Mississippi State, and when they would do those twists, bringing Boogie inside, it was a mismatch, and, and they, they right. won a lot of those to, to force Aaron throw. So that that's really crucial is making sure that when you dial it up that you, you, you bring it home or at least you, you do something to kind of disrupt the offense. Uh, yeah, you, you put pressure on Garantano because he had a couple fumbles last week against Georgia. But but one thing he does have is the same thing Mississippi State had uh, is a running back that catches the football out of the backfield. Mississippi State had Kylan Hill, 15 catches, 79 yards. And then Tennessee has Eric Gray. When when things aren't there, open downfield, Garantano has time or scramble. He looks for Eric Gray, the running back, uh, to catch passes for him. And Gray's been effective with that. Uh, this is uh, we'll transition more into to Tennessee. Uh, Jesse Griffith, I actually knew Jesse Griffith, but that was a girl. This guy's got a beard that goes down to his belly button almost. <laughs> nice. Jesse said, for the fans making the trip to Knoxville, where's the best or your favorite place to eat in between Knoxville or in between Stadium and Lexington? I would say that there's nothing good in the township of knoxville no, nothing ever good ever came from it in fact um so i would avoid it like the plague um, I, I don't know freddie you're pretty familiar with corbin maybe you can yeah. stop off to the colonels and, and get some fried chicken i don't know what, what, what is a nice place to stop on the way yeah that's a touristy uh, place there in corbin take exit 25 off 575 go towards cumberland falls i mean you don't go 300 yards and you'll see Bubby's barbecue up on the right. And that is the place to eat in Corbin Bubby's barbecue. Hmm. I mean, Bubby's, you know, Bubby don't mess around. He's no, Bubby he's doesn't. doing everything to make sure it's the tastiest barbecue around. No exactly. cutting corners. Yeah. No. So it's in the same complex as subway and all that, but yeah, Bubby's barbecue right there. Off like, exit 25. I like, I like too, that it's kind of attached to a subway. Yeah. Those are the hidden gems, you know? Exactly. Exactly. That's where I go when I'm there. And nice. I'm there every week. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Dylan said, is the UK defensive line versus the Tennessee offensive line the matchup of the game? Or is it the Tennessee wide receivers versus the UK defensive backs? I think it's the offensive line, defensive line. Uh, on paper, Tennessee's offensive line is is lights out. Four out of five starters are, are – former five-star players, uh, two transfers, a center from Alabama, and then Cade Mays transferred over from Georgia. Uh, solid unit. they got a couple injuries they're dealing with, moving some people around, so we'll see how that works out on Saturday. 
but that offensive line is is big. It, it's effective, and that's how Jeremy Pruitt wants to build his team is is to establish that physicality on the line of scrimmage. So, uh, yeah, that that's the matchup I'm looking forward to seeing is the uh, Tennessee offensive line versus the Kentucky defensive line. Well, and especially if because I, I think when Tennessee's best is their fifty fifty balls is when they're yep. taking shots early and downs. Um, yeah, because if you if you can stop the run, um, which I know Kentucky has done so far pretty well, but they haven't really faced a lot of teams that are trying to uh, get after you in the same way that Tennessee is going to use physicality and try to get between the tackles. So that, I think it's if, if Kentucky can stop that run and get in the third and obvious, that's where Jaron Tyler is going to struggle. That's where Georgia teed off. Uh, you mentioned he had some fumbles. Every time he got sacked, he fumbled it against Georgia. So yeah, uh, ball security has been an issue for him. It, they might land a couple of early shots, but if you can stop the run, uh, you you really handicap you 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 really put put the volunteer offense in a bind. Yeah, because you got running backs Ty Chandler and Eric Gray back there. Uh, Tennessee will try to run the ball much like Kentucky does. I mean, in that aspect, I mean, there's a whole lot of similar similarities between these two teams. Uh, and Tennessee's willingness and want to to run the football behind that physical offensive line is one of them. And, uh, you know, that they want to lean, lean behind those guys and, and get, get ahead of the chains. Now, uh, Tennessee had minus one rushing yard against Georgia. A lot of that had to do with sacks and et cetera. But, uh, yeah, I mean, that, there were struggles against Georgia. But I'm telling you, every, every offense in this league <laughs> will struggle against that Georgia defense. Oh, Freddie, I'm not looking forward to this depth chart podcast a week from now. That Georgia defense, <laughs> they, don't, they don't mess around. No, it's uh, man, I've, you know, I've, I've been thinking a lot. I've, I've watched Georgia several times this year. I mean, the depth that they have, I mean, they'll play uh, – I, I, somebody said they'll play 16, 17, 18 players in the front seven on a regular basis. I mean, that's just – that is just uh, an embarrassment of riches that that Kirby Smart has built there in Athens. Oh, man, and I saw yesterday he got like another five-star offensive lineman. It's like, oh, you know, of course. Of course he did. <laughs> <laughs> of course he did. Well, why don't we get into uh, what we got? What, what Kentucky needs to do to to take down the Volunteers and win for the first time since 1984, Freddie. I wasn't even around in 1984 when uh, Jerry Claiborne's team went to down to Knoxville and and handed the Vols a loss in the last game of the season. That team, your 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 old coach took an 0 and 10 team and two years later made them an 8 and 3 team. That's yeah. cr- <laughs> that's crazy. Yeah, he, he man, he was a great coach, a great man. Uh, I miss him. Uh, you know, he, he did so much for me. He gave me a chance. Uh, I will forever love Jerry Claiborne. But, yeah, he and he was a heck of a coach. He, he's, he's a Hall of Famer. I mean, I don't think many people realize that, that he is in the uh, College Football Hall of Fame. He was very successful at Maryland and Virginia Tech before going to U.K. He mm-hmm. actually went to U.K. later in his career. Right. So, yeah, I mean, that's that's something that, you know, I listened to that game on the radio. I listened to Kay Wood and Ralph and uh, listened to Kentucky win down there with Bill Ransdale and George Adams and those guys. Yeah, I think George Adams had like a buck 75 in that game yeah. uh, on the ground. And yeah, you want to talk about good running backs. <laughs> I think yeah. that, that kind of really, really got the ball uh, rolling for the Cats there in the mid-80s. I'm, so, 1984, were you, were you Dr. Cool yet? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I was in high school. So, yeah, I had the full mullet, breakdancing, you name it. That was me, man. 
<laughs> I, I bet Eric B and Rakim, you know, had the cassette tape. Was was it cassettes or cassettes yeah, were yeah. later? Yeah, I, cassettes were later. Uh, they came out when I was in high school because it was eight tracks before that. Oh, okay. With the basically like a VCR size tape, which hell, yeah. kids don't even know what a VCR is nowadays. So <laughs> I'm dating myself. <laughs> Kentucky's recipe for success offensively, Nick Roush. I think the Cats need to rush for 4.5 yards per carry. Uh, Tennessee's allowing 3.3 and 136 yards a game. I gave up close to 200 against Georgia, but, you know, again, that's Georgia. So I think Kentucky's got to average four and a half yards of carry. By doing that, it uh, takes me to another point. Kentucky has to be efficient on first down. Mm-hmm. I mean, because ten, ten, it can't give up havoc plays to this defense because Tennessee has 19 tackles for loss, six quarterback sacks, a lot of pressure. Uh, that That's how Jeremy Pruitt and Derek Ainsley want to play. They, they'll do something exotic on first down to, to get teams behind the chains. And we'll have uh, we'll try to force tackles for loss on first down and get Kentucky off schedule. So averaging 4.5 yards per carry, Kentucky is averaging right now five yards a carry. So that's not quite up to uh, their annual or, or what they're averaging for the season. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, I think I think that is a good number for the Cats to have. Obviously, point two is no turnovers. I mean, you wrote something yesterday. I think it was you yeah. on KSR website about. Uh, uh, the fumble situation. AJ Rose, one fumble every nine and a half carries. Like you just can't. Like that's unacceptable. And that you know, I understand that AJ's been a consummate professional in that locker room, but uh eventually, you know, you just gotta start feeding Rodriguez. And it, it's kind of uh, the I thought it was gonna happen last week with the young receivers. And I thought Rodriguez was gonna get more touches and it didn't happen. So I'm wondering if last week uh, flip the switch and and you know force Eddie Green to switch up the personnel a little bit, um, but you know we'll we'll wait and see until Saturday. I know Stoops said both of the running backs were a little banged up, so maybe it's Jatan McLean getting more carries. Uh, you know, yeah, I'm hearing a lot about Jatan McLean. I th- I think we could see him quite a bit in Knoxville. So and wouldn't that be and, great and, if if you get the true freshman to just break the balls back? Oh man, yeah, that because be that's awesome. happened with Tennessee against Kentucky for him many, many times. You know, some some true freshman comes out of nowhere and and just has a huge night or a huge day against the Cats. So uh, I think it would be just fitting if Juton McLean was that player. And I look forward to watching him because, you know, the the, the coaches brag about how hard he works, uh, how he's picked up the offense, and then we saw how explosive he was with a 17-yard run uh, last Saturday night. So that could be something to keep an eye out. Uh, but but no turnovers. I mean, that's just that's just a killer. This, this well, and, you and know, they, Freddie, we look look at the difference in the Auburn game and the Mississippi State game. Like we we, we talked about how the defense didn't look too different. If you start make some of those plays instead of it being the other way around, it just dramatically changes the game. Especially when like even Vegas is considering most of these games just a toss up. Yeah, exactly. Uh, you know, the SEC is. Uh, the average team is allowing 29 points a game. That's the most ever in, in the Southeastern Conference through four, three games, ever. So the league is changing. But, I, I you know, this this game Saturday, I mean, it could just be an old-fashioned slugfest. I mean, we're, you know, you could be looking at a 13-12 or 13-10 game here. And, uh, you know, it, it's just turnovers, field position. 
which Kentucky has the advantage with Max Duffy in the field position. But you can't yeah, have turnovers. You got to win the turnover huge. margin. Yeah, got to win the turnover margin in Knoxville. Yeah. Um, another point is to threaten the safeties. We didn't see that Saturday, and we saw Peters and 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 Preston come inside the box and create all kinds of havoc and chaos. Uh, you know, you have a hard time identifying the mic. You know who who is the who is the Mike linebacker? Then you got those two safeties coming up. Uh, Tennessee is an, is an aggressive secondary. Uh, we'll do the same. We'll fly up there. We'll, we'll load the box and 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 threaten Kentucky to throw the ball. I mean, simple as that. Uh, and and Kentucky's got to find some way to threaten the safeties. How you do that? Uh, you you can hit vertical shots. Even a post corner, you know, behind behind the cornerback in front of the safety will force those safeties to stay deep if Tennessee's in some kind of uh, cover two, cover five, uh, will force them to stay deep because they have to respect the hash or their their side of the field that they're responsible for in zone coverage. So uh, threatening the safeties is a critical thing that Kentucky's got to do. Yeah, and I think we hit on it at the beginning of the season. And, I mean, just harking back to that Florida game two years ago, uh, you, you really put a team on their heels if you hit a couple uh, big shots early on. And it is it is such a fine – like the, the game you play when – you because the time to do it is to do it on early downs, but then you run the risk of getting off schedule. So it's a – Yeah. It, it is one of those when you take them, just capitalize on one or two. <laughs> right. <laughs> it just, just – it makes yeah. it so much easier on Eddie Grant if, if you can – do something big and, and going back uh, Bryce Oliver returning would just be huge for this Kentucky football team. Yeah. Uh, Kentucky can't have havoc plays on first down. I saw that plenty of times against Georgia, uh, uh, Tennessee uh, had tackles for loss on first down against Georgia and put the dogs behind the chains. Now they have George Pickens and, and, and those receivers and, and Stetson is playing very well. Uh, but yeah, it, it's Tennessee put put Georgia off schedule quite a bit, and that's that's something that Kentucky can't have. Can't take a sack, can't have a, a tackle for loss, any of that on first down. Or you know, we've seen throughout the season, Kentucky is not comfortable at third and nine, third and ten. Or, mm-hmm. So no, no. That, that's just yeah. I, I looked talk- it up, Freddie. Uh, Henry Toto has three tackles for loss, and DeAndre Johnson has three and a half. Is is Johnson? He's going to be one of the best kind of edge guys they're going to see all season, right? Yeah, he he will be one of the best. And Henry Tao Tao uh, is is a very active linebacker. Now Tennessee, <laughs> yeah, Tennessee did give up a lot of passing yards up the middle. The linebackers didn't cover that well. Uh, again, if Kentucky can take advantage of that, is yet to be seen. Uh, but against the run. Uh, Henry is is very very good, and he poses a threat, and he he'll come downhill in a hurry, in absolute hurry, and, and yeah, he's a, he's a star. He was a freshman All American for a reason, and uh, yeah, Cat's got to uh, look out for number eleven for the entire game. Uh, run the ball. Kentucky's got to get back to its personality. I mean, you know, looking back against Mississippi State, Chris Rodriguez had what seven carries yeah uh, for 38 yards and a touchdown so uh you got to get back to that personality of running the football and, and being physical on that offensive line and coming uh coming straight at that tennessee defense you know if, if you have an active defense that likes to bring pressure off the edge or pressure up the middle how do you defend that how do you uh, counter that well you you throw play action 
we'll see if that works uh, or you run straight at it because if you force a, a defender to miss you're against man and then Tennessee will be a man-to-man coverage that that could account for an explosive play so run the football well, run the football run the football and I think the the name of the game uh two weeks ago what or before last game was we need to find a defensive identity they did that but in doing so the offense kind of lost its so yeah, it needs, needs, go back to who you get, are. Yeah, needs to get back to that uh, that wildcat mentality or personality on offense, and uh, we'll see how that works out. The quarterbacks, whether it be Terry or or Joey or Bo, the quarterback position has to complete sixty five percent of his passes, uh, and that's not asking a whole lot because again, at Auburn sixty four seventy seven against Ole Miss, uh, so being above average, being right around that sixty five percent. Uh, will tell me that Kentucky had balance for the game and it's going to have to be balanced offensively to have a chance because if Tennessee can just sit there and tee off on a run, uh, that won't be good for Kentucky. I mean, it won't be good at all. So uh, go to the defensive side, get ready for 50-50 balls with Josh Palmer. I mean, he is very good at that. We saw him score on a couple times at Georgia. Uh, and that's how, to be quite honest, that's how Tennessee beat Kentucky in 2019. Mm. And, and 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 you're going to see a bunch of them on Saturday. So uh, the Cats have to be ready for that and have to win some of those battles. Marquez Callaway. Yeah. Gosh. I've had enough of that. Yeah, And, and the thing is, I, oftentimes Kentucky's playing good coverage. It's just the other guy, like, like you like to say, football happens. Well, let's have a little football happen on our side this time around. How about it? Yeah, yeah. Get 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 your body, get your head around, and, and break those things up, or pick one off. That would that would be ideal. Uh, the intensity and defensive effectiveness needs to travel, and how does that come? It comes with confidence. So Kentucky should have a confident defense going into Knoxville after the uh, after what it did to Mississippi State. So needs to bring the same intensity, focus and effectiveness uh, against Jared Garantano, Josh Palmer, and, and that Tennessee offense. Uh, hold Tennessee to 125 yards rushing. Uh, averaging right now 121 for the balls. But, again, you factor in the minus one against Georgia. That affects that number. Right. Tennessee's intent will be to establish the run, and that's what they're going to try to do. And then from there, they're going to play action passes. And uh, uh, so, yeah, stop the run, keep Tennessee at 125 yards or fewer. And I think that is a good recipe for success, Nick Roush. Yeah, it really is. And I'm excited to see Kentucky's run defense uh, against kind of a traditional look because this is what the defensive line was built for. Uh, yeah. You, you know, you talked about finally having the the depth inside, but a lot of that was – like they, they got some some bulk to them, you know. This yeah. is an old school kind of defensive line. Yes, Josh Pascal and Phil Hoskins got some twitch to them, but you really benefit by having the big bodies in there. And it's hard to take advantage of their their strengths if they're they're asking to pass rush fifty times a game. Like you know, they're just going to get gas. So this is a game where Kentucky's defensive line should be able to uh, to use what we we've kind of been looking forward to to their advantage. And freeing up for DeAndre Square and then Jamin Davis to go to fill the holes. Yeah, because if 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 Cade Mays plays guard instead of right tackle, you're looking at Cade Mays and, and Trey Smith at guards for Tennessee. 
two future pros, two former five stars, and two very, very good football players. So Quentin Bohanna will have to be a factor, and he'll have to eat up those those blockers to free up uh, DeAndre Square and Jamin Davis and Jared Casey and Marcus Bembry uh, to make tackles because that that is a very, very good guard combination for Tennessee. Um, yeah, and I'm this is a this is a draft tape game too for Bohanna. Yeah, it is absolutely. This is this is a money maker for Quentin. Uh, he did a lot against Mississippi State, but this is where you kind of affirm it. And yeah. I think the defense knows, like, all right, we can't be a one hit wonder against the air raid. Like, yeah, that was like, come on, that's child's play. We got to We got to well, play with the big boys. Yeah, and and then the defense sees this offense every day in practice. So mm-hmm. yeah, you're exactly yeah. right. So they're familiar with it. And, and another important aspect for the defense is, is tackle on all three levels. Tennessee's only converting 26.8% on third down, uh, which is a low number, very low number. That's 13th <laughs> in the conference, I think. So it's bad. It's very bad. Yeah. So again, keep up, travel that intensity and effectiveness and travel the tackling that, that, that the cats had against Mississippi state. Uh, because you know, you want, if you get Tennessee in the third down, they're not very effective there. So, uh, that, that's a good situation to, to tackle on all three levels, defensive line, linebackers, and secondary. Um, prevent momentum changing plays. And I think you touched on that a little bit, is, is take the early shot to Josh Palmer downfield or Johnson or one of those receivers. Uh, a momentum changing play is, is, is a long run, explosive run, or chunk plays. Uh, Got to keep that out of the equation. Got to keep that out of the equation. And that's typically, you know, like how Mark Stoops' defense plays. It's stop the run, take away big plays in the pass game. So right. if you if you do what you do well, make it happen. But it's just, mm-hmm. Freddie, uh, I, I think it's going to be an exciting game. But there's there's always that that, I mean, it is Tennessee, and we're you're going to Knoxville, so it's going to, it's going to make all Kentucky fans just nervous going into that game. Absolutely. You know, Kentucky's eighth in the nation against the run, but like, you know, like we said, Miss, Ole Miss didn't really try to run the ball very, very much. And then Auburn had 91 yards. So uh, we'll see how this works out because this is going to be a traditional run game that, that we'll see behind it again, an excellent defensive line. Uh, the last point of, of recipe for success on defense is the pressure Garantano. Like you said, he got, uh, he got, uh, he, he had two fumbles on, on when he got sacked at Georgia, had an interception. Uh, so getting to him and not letting Garantano beat you again because he's done so in three years in a row. This is his fourth opportunity against Kentucky, and, and, and his prior three best games as a college player have been against the Cats. So get pressure on him. Don't let him out of the pocket. Don't let him dance around back there and put hands on him and get him to the ground. Surely water's got to find its level, right, Freddie? Like, yeah. Come on, come back down to earth, Jarrett. Like, we, come on. I, you don't need to <laughs> get the Garantano guarantee out there that you're going to whoop Kentucky's tail. I, I do worry that like he's some some wildcat stole his girlfriend or something, and he's got this like grudge <laughs> built up because it's inexplicable just yeah. what what how he's played against UK. Hopefully, water finds its level. He comes back down to earth a little bit, and a lot of that's just just forcing those third and longs because. Kentucky, I mean, K.J. Costello, it's hard to – I love the the classic saying, well, don't have a lot of third and 15-yard plays in the playbook because it's true. I mean – Yeah, that's a <laughs> tough true. down. 
Yeah. You know, Tennessee scored 17 unanswered last year to beat Kentucky. And Garantano was a, was a key factor in that. So just can't let him beat you. I mean, you cannot let Jared Garantano beat you. And he's done so in the past. Uh, and in special teams, Nick can't have a critical error. You've had uh, the Man. two point play at Auburn, two uh, missed field goal and a missed PAT against Ole Miss and a bad snap that led to a 48-yard loss and a safety against Mississippi State. So, uh, got got to prevent those uh, uh, critical errors. Got to. No, no ifs, ands, or buts about it. Because, again, if this gets into a slugfest, turnover margin, special teams, third down, those are going to be critical uh, things to look at for Kentucky. Looking at some numbers here. Uh, Tennessee is averaging 121 rush yards a game, 222 through the air. Uh, it's registered six quarterback sacks, 19 tackles for loss, only two interceptions on the year. Uh, something that that jumps out at me is is the 26.8% on third down. And that comes with forcing Garantano to to make to to, to make plays uh, that you know aren't really in his repertoire you gotta gotta get into those third and longs exactly some some key players for tennessee we've talked about uh I, i'll start with the running backs ty chandler and eric gray both averaging 4.7 yards per carry uh so uh kentucky stopping the run is going to be highly important and jared garantano is completing 62 percent of his passes throwing one interception four touchdowns for the year uh those receivers josh palmer 14 catches, 227 yards. He's averaging 16 yards a catch, and he is their 50-50 ball uh, expert. He is going to be the person that that the football gets thrown up to and, and just let him make a play. And then when Eric Gray, the running back, is dangerous out of the backfield in the passing game, 10 catches for 98 yards and a touchdown. So those are some key players uh, to look for for Tennessee on offense. Yeah, and the the thing I'd like to add too, Freddie, is uh, I I think Boss Man Fat, even though he we 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 poked fun at him after the Auburn game, he's the guy best suited to to go up against a guy like Palmer, um, just with the physicality he brings. Uh, you know, just turn that head around when the ball's coming your way. But uh, you know, he he got that interception a week ago. Uh, now I think it's his time to to make up for those Seth Williams plays against Josh Palmer this Saturday. Yeah, I mean, he's going to get an opportunity because that is in Tennessee's offense's DNA. I mean, they're going to, they're going to throw it up to Palmer and say, okay, you be an athlete and, and you out-compete uh, this, this, whoever you're up against. And, and Tennessee's been extremely effective with that and successful, so I, I don't see why they would not continue to do so. And uh, But this is a big game, Nick. This is a big game for Kentucky to get back at 500. Uh, it's a big game for Tennessee, uh, who what you you said it earlier that we're back, but you know it's it's it, you lose to Georgia and then there's quite a quite a margin there in talent and 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 the status of the team with with Georgia and Tennessee. So Tennessee's got it will be mad, but then they got Alabama next week. So your your sandwich right between Georgia and Alabama is a good place to be for Kentucky. Yeah, it's a good spot that we talked about in the preseason. And and this is also a good spot for uh, to really get the fans all the way on board, too, for the for the second half of the home stretch of the season. Because, you know, I think we all kind of knew uh, 
Kentucky was going to lose a game that they weren't supposed to. Uh, you hoped that they would upset somebody. And of the Auburn and Tennessee games, you wanted to get one. Um, and winning a rivalry game, it's even bigger, especially when you don't have Louisville on the schedule this year. So, uh, Freddie, I can't recall too many Kentucky football seasons that I would categorize as bad when uh, a win over Tennessee was in it. <laughs> no, exactly. Uh, there's a lot of players that have played at, at UK that never beat Tennessee a whole bunch and put me in that category. So it, it would be a, it would be a special day if Kentucky can beat Tennessee in Knoxville. Uh, you know, for the old school guys, Tennessee is still the rival because we didn't play Louisville. It's hard, you know. That's it's a new rivalry per se. So Tennessee goes back a long way, and and it's uh, this this rivalry is something that's been around for years, and it's a special game. And let's just hope Kentucky can get some things cleaned up on offense, travel that defense, prevent a critical error on special teams, uh, because these two teams are, are very similar, uh, very physical, especially on defense for Tennessee. Uh, again, you know, with Jeremy Pruitt and Derek Ainsley. Uh, leading that defense, I mean, they're going to be sound. They're going to be physical. They're going to be nasty, and, and they're going to try to create havoc for Kentucky. Because most likely, if you're looking through Tennessee's eyes, the only way that the Cats can hurt you uh, when they're on offense is by running the football. So I, I think you're going to see some exotic uh, run blitzes, some uh, some pressures. Uh, you're going to see a lot of players, Tennessee players, in the box on first down to try to get Kentucky off schedule and to force the Cats to throw the football. That's exactly how they're going to try to play uh, Kentucky. And, and, and you know, to be quite honest, that, that's a smart way right now. No, you're, you're exactly right. So fight fire with fire and just run it down their throat, damn it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Uh. Hopefully you see some more carries from Rodriguez and – and let him, uh, you know, establish that that power running game that Kentucky's been known for throughout the last couple of years. Amen. And the the, the kind of nice thing too, Freddie, is that you, you kind of get the twofer because on your way down I seventy five to Knoxville, the the Briar Jumpers are playing Friday night in Somerset in the Kroger's KSR game of the week. Exactly. So that, that's going to be a good one, Lexington Christian. Uh, you know, lost to Frederick Douglass, but that's 2A against 5A, one of the better, best 5A teams in the state. So that's a tough, tough task for any 2A team. And and then Somerset's coming off a state championship. Uh, the Briar Jumpers' only loss last year was in a regular season to Lexington Christian. Uh, there's going to be uh, some some really, really good players. And in, in that game, it's going to be a good football game. I'm looking forward to going to Somerset on Friday. What a division one talent uh, on the football field. And I like that it's fr coming from the small school ranks too. Cause you know, we yeah. were most small school guy football players. Yeah. There's, there's talent in, in the, the lower ranks. You just don't have to be a six, a or a five, a uh, to, to play good football. So I, I'm really looking forward to it. Uh, Freddie, especially cause I got, I got some, some friends over that are a uh, long time briar jumpers. So uh, I know they're big fans and they're excited to have uh, KSR in the house. Yeah, and, and and hopefully I'll be at the uh, Stonegate Kroger at 5 p.m. on Friday to hand out gift cards. You got to join me in Owensboro. What would you think about that experience, Nick? Man, it was a lot of fun. I appreciate everybody who came out and said hi at the Kroger beforehand. Got to talk ball with a lot of folks. Uh, and then got to see just some excellent quarterback play from Gavin Wimsett. And what I really enjoyed, Freddie, is that 
he faced a little adversity and it didn't bother him any. Uh, when, right. when, when they had to, to put together one minute offense, uh, he marched that team right down the football field. And he, not only does he have a big arm, he's accurate. He puts the ball in the money. He hits his receivers in stride. And uh, he, even when he doesn't get to completely step into a throw. So yeah. he's got a really bright future ahead of him. Absolutely. And I wouldn't look into his passing completion percentage. I mean, I'm sure it's high, mm -hmm. but an example of that is, is he was in the pocket, uh, got chased out, went to his left. He's a right-handed quarterback and threw an absolute dart to the sideline, which in college it would have been caught. Mm -hmm. uh, but in high school, that, that that's a tough play. But, I mean, he just flipped it. The football just jumps <laughs> out of his hand. So, And uh, we're going to see another good quarterback on Friday night. Yeah, Kai Sharon, which I actually – have not seen him play because I wasn't there for the state championship game. Freddie, I, I, he, he threw the game-winning touchdown. Uh, he did. That, and were you calling that game too? I was. I was calling that game for KHSAA. And, and uh, yeah, they came back, beat Mayfield. Uh, he had a touchdown pass on the last play of the game. They had to, to drive Summer. down the field too. Uh, they had to go, yeah. what, 80 yards? Yeah. And that was Somerset's first state championship. They'd been there a couple times and gotten beat uh, in, in the title game. Uh, but yeah, it brought Somerset first state championship game. So that, that, that's going to be an exciting uh, event on Friday night. And I'm looking forward to it. And uh, if you're on your way to Knoxville, again, stop off exit 25, go to Bubby's Barbecue. It's the best, best on your trip down and back from Knoxville. Oh, man. I love it. Yeah. Don't, you don't need to stop anywhere in Knoxville. In fact, the only time I've ever been to Neyland Stadium, I made sure that I the, the place that I stayed for the night was not in the Knoxville city limits. It, it, it's just awful. It's just an <laughs> awful place, Freddie. <laughs> it is definitely unique. I, I will say that. Yeah. Well, I'll, Nick, I'll be mean where you can't, Freddie. Just <laughs> eat at Knoxville. Yeah. I'm, I'm friends with somebody in that athletic department. So I, I don't want to be too mean. <laughs> you're too kind freddie so, somebody pretty high up in that athletic department let's go that way <laughs> yeah i think uh yeah yeah you know i think i know who you're talking about <laughs> yeah well nick thank you very much for joining me i hope you have a, a good week are you are you you're not going to the game are you oh no freddie it's it's like you going to nashville you got to drag me to there yeah you know it's yeah <laughs> yeah yeah so but i'll be uh, screaming come, from home I, I i almost hurt myself watching that mississippi state game i was losing my mind there for a while but you know what we're, we're, we've got it we're getting it back together this weekend freddie you know i was on edge in that game to the very end for some reason i i you know i i got so sick and tired of hearing about the air raid and then it, just so in the back of my mind i was picturing lsu and even when kentucky was up 24 to 2 i was like oh god they got what four minutes to go they can score and go for uh, go for two kicking onside get the ball back and it just kept me on edge the whole game and because uh, you know that's all we heard was air raid this air raid that <laughs> it got grounded saturday night in, in kroger field so I mean, that was fun to watch it, it really was hopefully we have some more fun this weekend yeah, and then uh, lastly, you know, Florida and LSU got canceled. Vanderbilt, Missouri got canceled. And then Nick Saban uh, tested positive for COVID-19. I mean, that's, that's pretty significant happenings within the Southeastern Conference. Yeah, you hope uh, you hope everybody gets better as quickly as possible. And I, w I would like to just 
So, folks, keep this in their mind. This was actually a little tidbit from Adam Luckett that Florida's got Mizzou next week. Uh, and if they would have to postpone that game too, then you might see the Kentucky-Missouri game get rearranged and may- maybe play that. Or, you know, that's where you could get the schedule getting a little bit wonky um, by pushing that game back to Halloween and then playing Missouri. Or you would play Missouri on Halloween instead of – I don't know. Wait, I'm getting it wrong. You play Missouri on the 7th. Uh, November 7th, and instead of having the bye week, you would have it a week earlier. So that could be in play if if stuff gets mixed around. And that's when all the scheduling folks in Birmingham, they've really got to break out their spreadsheets to, to make it all work. Yeah, that's, that's a tough task there. But we just hope everybody's safe and healthy. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just, these are crazy times, and we wish every team, you know, wish everybody the best in, in dealing with this COVID situation. It, it's uh, – we just want the best and the best health for everybody listening and everybody out there. So, Nick, hopefully we're talking about a win next week and then get ready to face Georgia. Amen, brother. Amen. All right. Have a good week, buddy, and I'll see you soon. Thanks, everybody, for listening. <laughs>